This is the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast, where we bring on the experts to teach you the golden nuggets of real estate investing so you can escape the rat race and start living life on your terms. Now, here's your host, Dalen Hazel. Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we are joined by our very special guest, Michael Bowman, to talk about how he acquired a 32-unit apartment complex by age 23 that he owns with zero partners except for his wife. Michael Bowman is a husband, father, realtor, real estate investor, and church elder. For 24 months, he served on the Cape Verdean Islands off the coast of Africa. Because of that experience, he can speak Portuguese and his wife served in Russia during that time. A natural born salesman at heart, he returned to the US and hit the ground running. And he has some pretty wild stories to tell about his acceleration in real estate. Today, he helps clients buy and sell real estate, but his bread and butter is investing and he teaches you how to do it. Little known fact, Michael mentored me personally for a few months while I was getting up and running in real estate. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, thanks for having me, Dalen. Appreciate being here and give a few words. Yeah, you bet. Well, I've been uh, looking forward to having you on. I've always thought about this. So it's awesome that we're here together. Actually, we're sitting in the same room together. So Michael, other than what was shared so far, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and how you got started in real estate? Okay. A little bit about my background. Dalen covered a lot of good stuff. Like, I, I just loved buying and selling for my whole life, whether it was, you know, iPods and long boards and in elementary and middle school, cars in high school. I've always loved buying and selling. Um, I, I like to work out. I, I run six miles every morning. I wake up at 530 every morning um, and have a little ritual there of reading scripture, using the bathroom, make my jog, um, start the day and hang out with my baby girl. So I, I really love to be active. I, I love to buy and sell. Uh, a lot of what I do is so I can, you know, have family time and quality time and stuff. So I guess throughout my life, you know, those have been a lot of the priorities is, is faith, family, fitness, stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely see that in your life. You know, you, you, you make priorities for the things that matter to you and anything that, you know, doesn't quite matter to you. Um, you know, you, you don't allocate as much time on it and that's okay. Cause we have a limited amount of hours here on earth. So um, can you start off the show by telling the audience about trading a car for a house? That's a good one. That, that's a great story, Dalen. Um, so like, when you get started out, most people, when they start out, have no money. I mean, you're, you're 20 years old, you're 21 years old, yep. you have no money. Maybe you even have some college debt or some car debt or some credit card debt. So when my wife and I started, uh, you know, real estate investing, we had no money. That being said, I I had a nice 1999 Ford F-250. It was a white truck, extended cab, four-wheel drive. Uh, I loved it. It had the 7.3 uh, diesel engine that everybody covets on those trucks. But I had this white Ford F-250, and I knew it was a gold mine. Um, I wanted to trade my daily driver, that Ford white F-250, into something that would make me money. That being said, I, you know, explored different avenues, found out I needed to trade it for a house. And when you're, you know, trading a $10,000 truck, you're going to get a $10,000, you know, crappy house in a sketchier side of town. 
So I got on the MLS because I'm a real estate agent. I have access to the realtor websites. So I jumped on the MLS and looked at all of the crappy houses under $30,000. Now, there we live in the Midwest, you and I do, Dalen. So there, luckily, we have crappy houses under 30000 You go to California, you go to Florida, maybe not, you know? It buys you a garage. It maybe. buys you a garage. Maybe, maybe it just buys you a piece of land and yeah. you build something on it. But so luckily, we live in the Midwest, and I was able to, you know, track down about 25 houses under $30,000. And they were all just pieces of crap. I mean, they're all fallen over. I mean, meth needles, bed bugs, cockroaches, holes in the ground, you know, not even livable hardly. And out of all these uh, 25 houses that, that I found on this low search, I called every single one of them, every single seller's realtor and said, hey, I want to trade my Ford F-250 for your seller's crappy house. And out of the 25 calls I made, only two even gave it thought, even gave it thought. The other 23 disregarded it completely right off the bat, said, no way. You know, my seller wouldn't go for that. Or maybe they even talked to the seller and seller said, no way. You know, I don't need a truck. So uh, out of those two, I met with both sellers and their realtors in person and talked to them and tried to negotiate and say, hey, I have this great truck. It's got the 7.3 diesel, you know, turbo diesel engine. Everybody loves them. I really tried to sell them on it. And out of the two, one bit the hook. So one seller out of the 25, I found the one and we put the deal together, worked out the kinks, signed the paperwork. And a few weeks later, I was a proud owner of a crappy house in a sketchy side of town. That is an awesome story. I think the biggest takeaway is that you looked at what you had and then you looked at the opportunities out there and you said, how can I take with what I have and turn it into something, an opportunity? So you took a depreciating asset, a vehicle, and you turn it into an appreciating asset, which is a property. Uh, maybe it's not super appreciating because it was a crappy house, but there was opportunity mm -hmm. there. So I think that's an awesome story. Now, that's how you got started. Can you explain to the audience your most lucrative deal so far? My most lucrative deal has come just within the last few weeks even. So I've been a real estate investor for almost four years now. I'm going on, I'm in year three, I guess you could say. And I've had a lot of good deals, a lot of blessings, and it all started with that crappy truck for the house. My most lucrative deal has come right now in this current, you know, right now um, is selling our apartment complex. So here in just a few minutes, we'll talk about how we acquired it. And it's a 32 unit apartment complex and a good side of town. You know, the rents are, are lower. So it's always full hundred percent occupancy. So on, on this 32 unit apartment complex, we, we purchased it for $1.1 million. We actually, we purchased it for 1.15. So a million and 150,000. We just accepted an offer to sell it for $1.75 million. So there's a $600,000 profit there, which, you know, here in, in 2021 in Springfield, Missouri, that's a lot of money. You know, that's a lot of money, mm -hmm. a lot of taxes too. If you can't find something to roll it into. Yeah. Um, but this, so this is my most lucrative deal so far and it hasn't closed yet. It's not a done deal, but it's in the works is we bought it right and the market's appreciated and we're selling it right. Mm -hmm. So you'll see Daylin and everybody else's, as you real estate invest, there are fluctuations in the market and you'll know a good deal when you see one and you'll jump on it 
And luckily, you'll know also the correct time to maybe liquidate and sell out and move on to something else. Mm -hmm. So for us, we our most lucrative deal is selling this 32-unit apartment complex if it closes, mm -hmm. um, which would be about a $600,000 profit. And we've owned it for about six months. It's about $100,000 a month profit. Yeah. So 600,000 gain in the course of six months. I think that speaks to the importance of finding deals below market value. 100%. And if, if I'm not mistaken, you weren't the one who even found this deal. You bought it from a local wholesaler. Is that correct? That is correct. So I, I saw that a local wholesaler purchased this complex and him and I are friends. So I texted him and I, I sent him a message on Facebook. I was bugging him and said, Hey man, this add some money on top of it. I'll buy it from you and it'll still be a good deal for both of us. So I really, I had to follow up with him for almost three months before I could get this, this local wholesaler to sell it to me. Mm -hmm. And he did, you know, he sold me at a discount. He was still making money though. He made money when he sold it to me and I made money, you know, if I do sell it here soon. Sure. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and, and a lot of the listeners are, you know, are beginners, so they of may course. not know exactly uh, what to do next. And they may not be even thinking about an apartment complex, but I think the fundamentals are there. You know, again, you, you looked at what you had, you saw an opportunity. Um, you weren't even the one that found the deal, you, but you were good at networking and you looked ahead to, um, you know, make, make it a done deal. And it just goes to show that you don't have to be the one finding the deal. Um, everyone in the chain can make money, the wholesaler, the seller, and the person who buys it. And then the end buyer. Oh, so, 100%. yeah, everyone makes money. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So, um, can you talk about, you know, what made you decide to get into our apartments? Because I know you acquired about a dozen houses and then you all of a sudden just went big with this 32 unit and, and now you're going to go bigger. So what, what made you decide to get into apartments? Man, that's a good question. And if you could see me, I, I've been nodding with Dalen this whole time, you know, agreeing with him. Um, what decided, what, what pushed me to get into apartments is that they make more money per unit. Mm -hmm. So in, let's, let's go ahead and use the example. We, we had 12 houses, 12 single family houses, and we, we sold them all and went into an apartment. Um, on those 12 houses, I had 12 roofs, 12 HVACs, 12 real estate tax bills, you know, more accounting fees, 12 different locations to pick up rent, 12 driveways. I mean, you just have so much more um, maintenance and, and liability, I would say, on you know having multiple units spread out across a town or a city or a state or even the country. Mm -hmm. So have an apartment, it's one roof, one, you know, one real estate tax bill, um, your accounting fees are less, your tenants are all in one place. I mean, your your property insurance is less because you're not insuring individual structures, it's one big structure. So it just the expense is a lot less on an apartment complex uh, relative to having a bunch of houses and also all your money's in one place. And I think yeah. like we're seeing right now with with this apartment sale that we have, you can't go out and, you know, buy a duplex for 200,000 and then sell it a few months later for 300,000. There's just there's not that type of of markup in mm -hmm. in a lot of single family or or smaller units. When you get into apartments, people pay a premium. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that right now that, you know, the resaleability of an apartment I would say is almost bigger in some cases than houses just because there are less of them. It's a supply and demand. Right. Yeah. I don't invest in apartments yet myself, but I understand that, you know, cap rates are being lowered and lowered, squeezed yeah. mm -hmm. and people are just, you know, having trouble pleasing their investors. So they have to, you know, pay a little bit more mm -hmm. and that's good for the people that already own it. So, 
Um, can you kind of describe, I know we touched on this earlier, but the faith, uh, a lot of people kind of shy away from talking about faith and we're not going to try to sway one person or the audience in a certain uh, religion, but how has faith impacted your real estate journey thus far? Faith, actually, I, I wrote down a few notes on the way here because I want to make sure that everything gets said that needs to get said. Faith brings me opportunities and confidence. Hmm. So I believe, you know, whether you believe in a higher power or a, a source of energy or, or God or, you know, whoever you believe in, whatever you believe in mm-hmm. should hopefully bring you opportunities and confidence. So I would say that my faith in, in my God has bring me confidence and opportunities. It's like, you know, if, if you read the Bible, many people read the Bible. If you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Mm-hmm. He eats a man a fish and he, he eats for the rest of his life. So I feel like God, you know, he doesn't give me, you know, money. I don't just wake up to a duffel bag of cash outside of my house, but, you know, he'll give me the skill, give me the talent, give me the energy to go out and find an opportunity. Sometimes he just drops an opportunity in in your lap Mm -hmm. and then you can run with it. So I believe that faith has helped give me more opportunities Mm -hmm. and more confidence to fulfill those opportunities, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I would just add in my personal experience, it gives you a purpose, you know, it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning and it kind of provides a silver lining or a, a common thread in, in your life to, you know, to, something to pursue. So uh, kind of moving on here, what has been your biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened? That's, that's a good question. So it's my biggest failure was when we, we talk about these 12 houses that my wife and I acquired over the course of a year and a half. When we first get started out, our biggest failure was that we overextended too much on our loan amounts on those houses. Well, I'm sure that, you know, you, you know about the burr. Many people know about the, the buy, remodel, rent, refinance, repeat, that, that situation. It's a good one. I think everybody should use it. So what my wife and I was doing was we were buying houses for cash when we saved up enough. We were remodeling them. We were renting them out. We were refinancing them to pull our cash back out. And we repeated the process many times on 12 houses. And I think our biggest failure was that we overextended ourselves too much on those loan amounts because, you know, we were getting into these houses so cheap and the bank was willing to loan us more than what we had had invested in the project. So here I was, you know, just I had the opportunity to pull out so much money and link it onto a mortgage on a house. And I was taking the money. It was, I saw the money, I took the money. And I think that was what our biggest failure was because I was in over my head on debt. I couldn't make my payments because I was so overextended. So overextending myself on, on bank loans and monthly payments, that, that's probably been my biggest failure. It was though a blessing in disguise because all of that money that we overextended and pulled out of, of you know bank loans and everything, that allowed us to have cash in our account to make a down payment on our apartment complex. So it kind of, it was a blessing in disguise, but in the moment it felt like my biggest failure because I wasn't able to make my bank payments, but I did have a lot of money in my bank account from that, that I was able to get from banks to afford down payment on apartment. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And there's something to be said about overextending, you know, the bank is only going to allow you to finance up to 80% of a property, but sometimes that's not enough. You also have to look at your cash flow and see, is my rental income going to cover the bank payment and not just cover it? Is it going to provide a cushion? cushion. Because if there is any vacancy or, you know, a correction in the market, which w- we could see, then you want to be, you don't want to be overexposed. So 
why, you know, you're, you're 23 and I'm 24. And why do some people succeed quickly in their twenties or thirties? And some, you know, finally arrive at age 50, 60 or 70, and then they struggle their whole way to get there. And then when they arrive, they haven't really arrived. They have to always be worrying about money and so forth. So why do you think that is? Man, that's a loaded question because you could go a few different directions with that question, Dalen. Um, I would say that different people have different life scenarios. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people, they, they grow up with no money. Their parents are broke or maybe they're the first person that ever went to college and their whole family. Other people, they grow up in households where, you know, their parents are able to loan them $50,000 on a flip house. Or maybe they, you know, you take... You know, Bill Gates' child or his grandkids, they have, you know, a little better situation than your, your average person, you know, here in Springfield, Missouri or, or in America. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it, though, is the mindset. I mean, there, there are certain situations that can make it easier for one person or harder for another. But at the end of the day, it's the mindset. Mm -hmm. So if you can get in a good mindset, if you can visualize your goals and execute them, it doesn't matter if you come from a wealthy house or from a poor house. If you have that good entrepreneurship mindset, I think that's why some people succeed sooner than others. Because maybe some people, it takes until they're 50 or 60 to really get in that mindset of, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to put it together no matter what. And other people find that mindset early on. Mm -hmm. um, I've been lucky. I feel like I've been blessed with entrepreneurship mindset from day one. I mean, so might be going on a little tangent, maybe, maybe not, but I remember my first deal when I was you know, four years old, four and a half years old. I was on the playground, me and my friend, Abel. I lived in Costa Rica at the time. My dad is a lawyer for Dole Banana, so that's a different story. But in Costa Rica, me and my friend, Abel, were playing on the playground at school. He has a bionicle. We start talking. We make a little trade. I walk away with the bionicle. That, that was my first introduction into sales at you know four and a half years old, trading bionicles on the playground. So... I feel like for me, I've been blessed with that mindset early on. It's not that way for a lot of people, you know, so, mm -hmm. or, or even just some people. Some people, they have to work it. They have to find it. They have to get it. Other people, it comes a little easier. But either way, when you find that entrepreneurship mindset, when you, you know, say, I'm going to do it no matter what, that's when you're successful. Mm -hmm. And some people, it takes them 50 or 60 to find that. Some people, they find it when they're 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was holding back a chuckle because I, you mentioned Bionicles. I remember that toy. That's awesome <laughs> that you mentioned that. Um, but I think it goes back to what you focus on. You know, um, if you're focusing on success and rising in the ladder at an early age, then why shouldn't you achieve it young? You know, it, it's when you don't ever focus on it, you put, you know, wealth on the back burner is that you never really achieve it. So um, what is the app resource or tool that has been the biggest game changer in your business? That hands down, I mean, from day one, when we traded that white truck, the F-250 for the crappy house, I, I found that house on the MLS, the multiple listing service. It, it's a realtor website. I'm sure you know about Dalen. I know you're a realtor as well. Uh, but there's there's MLS websites all across the nation and even in different countries. It's just the realtor website that people use to list houses. You know, you've seen it. The MLS has hands down been the number one tool for me. It's how we found that first house and traded the crappy truck for the the crappy house. And it's how we, you know, continually find deals and sell deals and our flip houses. It's, it's a great, great network. 
And I think we spoke about network a few minutes ago when talking about how we acquired our apartment complex. It's very, very important to network, mm -hmm. very, very important to, to talk and know and know your business colleagues and, and know who's mm -hmm. around you. And the MLS helps you do that. It mm -hmm. helps you network and helps you see deals and helps you talk to people. There, there's contact information of all the other realtors in, in that local area. So the MLS has hands down been the number one greatest asset that, that I have had when it comes to some resources and online. Sure. And I know a lot of people don't have MLS access. So would you recommend a, a newer investor go ahead and get the real estate license for that? Or should they just piggyback off of another agent in their area? You know, it depends. There, that's a good question, Dalen, because there are two different ways you can go. You can use a realtor or you can become a realtor. And obviously there's going to be more cost associated, you know, annually with being a realtor. There are, you know, annual fees and everything, and you have to pay for the MLS and everything. Um, so if you're willing to invest the money to become a realtor and maintain that license, hands down, that is the best option mm -hmm. because you, you are your own person. You have your own access. 24 seven, you have your own passwords to get to all the tax records and MLS. If you're not in a position where you can, you know, maintain a real estate license and, you know, put up the cash to, to become a realtor or, you know, then definitely make friends with a real estate agent in your local area, make friends with them, take them out to lunch on you, you know, you pay for it mm -hmm. Just say, Hey, I want you to be my realtor. I want you to be in my best interest and keep an eye out for deals and all that good stuff. So to answer your question short, if you can invest the money to become a realtor, it'd be well worth it, even if it's only for your own investing. Second, if you're not in a position to do that first option, then second, uh, make friends with a realtor, take them out to lunch and get on the same page where they are you know, giving you access to the MLS. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so I know we're kind of getting towards the end of the show, but where are you going from here? More houses, bigger complexes. I want to know your plans for 2021 and beyond. Okay. That's also a great question. Um, thank you for preparing that, Dalen. The question is, I, I'm going up. It's, it's got to be an increase. So if that increase is through houses or through more apartments or through commercial buildings or through raw land and developing, for me, it's all about the increase. If, if I can make money doing it, I will do it. You know, um, that being said, I don't really want to own a bunch of houses because I've already been there. I've already done that. I know the game. I would love to stay in multifamily. I'd love to continue buying bigger and better apartment units. Actually, uh, we were just talking a, a few minutes ago earlier about a new apartment complex that I'm currently pursuing. If we if the sale ends up going through on our 32 unit, I already have a 40 unit complex in mind that's newer, nicer, better, the rents are higher. Um, so it would be uh, just trade uh, up, trade up, trade up, trade up in the apartment facilities. So I found great money to be in the apartment facilities, but they're in houses. You know, you can make money in houses, you can make money in apartments, you can make money in raw developing land or commercial buildings. Luckily, the thing about real estate is that it is probably the best vehicle for someone to get wealthy. And there are many different ways to drive that vehicle, many different properties, mm -hmm. fix and flip, hold, you know, anything. So mm -hmm. to answer, answer the question, long story short, I know I talk a lot. Uh, it would be buying bigger and better apartment facilities is where I'm headed, but I'm open-minded to, to anything that gives an increase. Sure. And I know you did for a time there, you did some storage facilities. Do you have any plans for that? Or was that kind of a one and done type of thing? Yeah, it was kind of a one and done. I was very, very happy the day I signed the closing papers to sell our storage facility, mm -hmm. I guess to give a little bit of background on it. It was, 
great location right next to a Walmart, just a seven minutes away from my house. So it was very convenient for me to go out and rent units at this storage facility. Uh, we had 47 units at this particular facility and you know, it was making money and it, it was a good building. It was a good investment, very, very low maintenance, just because it's a, a metal building on a concrete pad. So very, very low maintenance, but very, very time intensive. So I was having to meet people all the time to rent units, to, you know, to get 50 bucks a month mm. or, or 65 bucks a month and not set, not devaluing money. $65 is, is a good amount of money. But when you're chasing 47 different people every month, yeah. just to get 50 bucks from each of them, you know, it gets a little time intensive and you can make money somewhere else. You know, a lot, a lot of time was in that. So to answer your question, I think the storage facility was a one and done unless we can find a big enough facility where we can justify our full-time person. Okay. So there are management uh, roles for that. Like you wouldn't have to do that forever yourself. It's like property management for storage facilities. Okay. It just didn't make sense for one facility. Because it was such a small facility. It didn't make sense. You know, it was, the facility was only bringing in, you know, $3,000 monthly before all expenses. It's, it's, there's not very much money on the table to pay somebody to sit in a desk and manage that. Yeah. But if you have a, a facility that's bringing $30,000 in a month, yeah, you, you can pay a lady to sit in the desk or, or, or a guy to sit in the desk and take rents and rent out units and stuff. So it's all about the scale. So I think sure. we would get back into the storage facility. I really, I did enjoy my time in there. It was just a smaller facility than we could justify. And that's the thing about economies of scale. It's like, it almost gets easier. It's it, it's unfair in a certain way because as you get bigger, it gets easier because you have the teams in place. You can justify management. So for this 40 unit you're planning on buying, if you were to secure it, would you go ahead and have an in-person or just hire out property management? So that's the, the funniest part about real estate for me is that I don't even manage my own stuff anymore. I manage those 12 houses all by myself uh, until a point and they were just stressing me out. People were calling me in the middle of the night and you, you might've had this too, Daylin, or anybody listening might've had this if you're on your first investment property or you have a few down your belt already. People call me in the middle of the night, say, hey, my toilet stopped up because my son threw a Barbie down it. And it's like, well, that's your fault, dude. And, and why are you calling me at 3 a.m.? So I got burnt out on managing my own properties early on when I got mm-hmm. into about 12 single family houses, especially once we added on the storage facility and we purchased that apartment. I realized that I needed to let someone else manage it for me because my time would be better spent making money, finding deals, you know, moving the business forward than, you know, jacking around with someone following me because they have a leaky faucet, you know? So to answer your question on this 40 unit complex that we're looking at, I'm already friends with the property manager who has it, uh, who has it right now. Um, He's currently managing it and he's actually the one that brought me the deal um, and wants to continue managing it if I take ownership. So I think good property management is key. I think you can scale a whole lot more. I mean, instead of buying 12 houses, I'm able to go out and buy an apartment and, you know, more and anything just because my time's not tied up to the day-to-day of managing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's definitely. Any Anytime you can hire out work for a, a lower wage and then earn a higher wage, it's always in your best interest. Um, so I know you've written three books, which is pretty incredible. <laughs> because uh, most people don't even write one. Um, why did you turn to book writing as kind of your, I don't know if I should say legacy or your way to give back? Why book writing? You know, and when we've talked a few minutes uh, at the start, initially during our introduction, we spoke about, 
the ministry trip that I had in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I went and I, you know, for 24 months, I lived on the Cape Verdean Islands off the coast of Africa. It's a cluster of nine islands. You know, everybody there is is very, very African. I mean, I was the only white guy I saw for weeks, you know, at a time. <laughs> and they spoke Portuguese. So anyways, I, I did my ministry trip. I come back. I'm 20 years old. So I went at, I went at 18 years old, came back, finished at 20 years mm-hmm. old. And my my pastor at church, I call him a bishop, uh, my bishop said, hey, Mike, you know, all of your emails home during that two year period in Africa were so descriptive. You had so many pictures. I felt like I was there in Africa with you, you know, and he said, you need to be a writer. And I was like, oh, man, Bishop, well, I'm getting into real estate, man. I'm an entrepreneur guy. I love buying and selling. I don't want to be a writer. And but that stuck with me. So. I had good experiences in real estate, like trading that truck for the house. And it just hit me one night. It was about 1130 at nighttime. I had just, you know, wrapped up the day. I was putting my phone on the charger. I, you know, had said my nightly prayers and was kind of, you know, just hanging out. I wasn't tired enough to go to sleep, but I knew the day was over. And during that pondering session, it, it hit me like a brick. It said, Mike, you need to write a book about all your experiences and, and I thought to myself, wow, this is out of the blue. I've only been going real estate investing for maybe a year. And that thought came back from my original bishop. He said, you know, he had said, you know, Mike, you are a great writer. You're tremendous. You know, I felt like I was in Africa with you just reading all of your email and communication back home. So I thought, you know what, this is something that I can do. And within probably 15 or 20 minutes, the whole outline of my first book, Hustle Then Repeat, it came to me just like that. Mm-hmm. And I picked up my phone off the charger. I jotted down, you know, what each chapter would be called, what I would talk about in each chapter, the examples I would use, the name of the book. And so it all came within a matter of about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes at nighttime. It was almost midnight at this time. And that that's how Hustle Then Repeat, that's how, you know, I you know, it started to give back through writing is partially because that encouragement from my bishop and also just because I was meditating at at night, you know, wasn't tired enough to go to sleep. And this whole outline just came to me. So ever since then, you know, I, I have written a few more books and I I love writing. I guess I don't write. I don't actually write. I just do talk to text on my phone. (laughs) Hey, that's efficient. So, I mean, it's, I obviously there is some writing on a computer and, you know, clacking keyboard and stuff, but I wrote both of my first two books on talk to text on my phone. So I, as a real estate agent, as an investor, I drive a lot and, you know, I probably drive two hours a day. So after this outline came to me in the, in the middle of the night, then I just started talking into my phone every time I was driving around to appointments and stuff like that. So I actually wrote my whole rough draft for both of my two first books. I talked to text on my phone and obviously there were so many errors. I, you know, I, I emailed it to myself and I worked out all the kinks that I could. Then I sent it to a professional editor and he made everything, you know, squared away grammatically and all that stuff. So that's how I decided to give back through books is through that positive encouragement and also just, it just came to me. Nice. Nice. That's a great story. Uh, you've got three books now, Hustle Then Repeat, The D's of the Deal. And then this newest one, um, you actually partnered with several other authors on 2020 Silver Linings. Um, can you talk a little bit about that one specifically? Cause that one's pretty fresh and new. That one's very fresh and new. So, so 2020 was a rough year for everybody. Uh, 
you know, regardless of when you're listening, you probably remember the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, that, that was something that definitely impacted a lot in people's lives was that, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. So 2020 Silver Linings is myself and about a dozen other authors got together and we wrote positive that happened in 2020. So it, it, it's very, very general, very, very broad. You know, every chapter out of the almost a dozen chapters, every chapter is different because it's a different author. I mean, very different experiences, very different perspectives. Um, my particular chapter, uh, I call it the five F's of life. The five F's, uh, like the letter F. Um, so we've got faith, finance, fitness, fun, and family. So those are the five F's that we saw in 2020, regardless of everything that was going on. So I decided to write about those five F's, those five positive things that happened or you know were prevalent in my life, even in the midst of a global pandemic. And actually that writing my chapter in the 2020 Silver Linings book, along with those other 12 authors, has prompted me to write a book called The Five F's of Other, The Five F's of Life. So I'm actually in the process of putting together a whole book that's just centered around faith, finance, fitness, fun, and family, because I believe that those are the most important things in life. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's key that what you focus on really comes into fruition. I mentioned that earlier, but it's if you focus on positivity, if you focus on the good things that happened in 2020, that's going to expand. And if you surround yourself with people who are thinking that way, like the bishop, who inspired you to write that first book, then you're going to be leaps and bounds above people that are just focused on the negative and what's going wrong and woe is me and victim mentality. So obviously I want to tell the listeners where they can buy your books and we'll link in the show notes um, where to buy those, but uh, where can listeners buy your books? So all of my books are published through Amazon so it's real, you know, easy. Almost everybody has an Amazon account these days. Maybe you got prime shipping and stuff. So you can buy my books on Amazon and you can get them in Kindle format as well. If you just, if you rather read on a Kindle or you want it right now, you don't want to wait for shipping. So you can get it on Kindle and it's significantly, you know, less expensive to buy it as a Kindle as opposed to paperback, or you can buy a paperback and get it in the mail and yeah, Amazon is where you can find my books. Cool, cool. And where can listeners, you know, get a hold of you can, to connect for, further? Um, I know you do private mentoring. I don't know if you want to mention that as well for those that are local. Yeah, in in the past, and actually, Dalen was the first guy that we we did this with was uh, private mentoring, and that was really really fun. Dalen's well on his way. He's already got you know multiple deals under his belt. He has credit lines, and people want to loan him money, and he's finding deals. So. Uh, that's definitely something that, that it's kind of a case by case basis, depending mm-hmm. on what the person needs and if they're local and where they're at. So that'd probably be something as far as pricing and, and scale and, um, and an outline, that'd be something we could just talk about case by case. And the way people can contact me is you can call or text me anytime. Um, obviously we're, we've got all of our information here in this podcast. So, you know, just a call or a text. I'm, I'm a cool guy. I love to talk to people. I get many phone calls, many text messages every day. So I always have my phone with me. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll, uh, put his phone number and the, um, the social handles in the description. Well, Michael, um, you know, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show and sharing your knowledge 
I think it's truly an inspiration. Not every day you see someone uh, like you, as humble as you are and as young as you are, just hustling and making it happen. Is there anything more you wanted to share or any questions you have? Uh, just first of all, thank you for having me on the show, Dalen. And everybody listening, thank you for setting time aside and um, being willing to, to hear my story and hear you know what we've got going on, how we've been blessed so far. Uh, that I guess if I could leave just one thing, it's, it's work, you know, mm-hmm. work like it all depends on you. And then, you know, I, I like to pray like it all depends on God. Mm-hmm. So, so there's definitely, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of give and take there. We live in America. And e- even if you don't, even if you're li- listening outside of America, there, there's democracy and business everywhere, but America specifically where I've started my empire, we live in the land of opportunity. We have capitalism. We have free market. There is no reason why everybody should not be well off and and growing here in this great country. Yeah, that's a good way to end it. Well, um, we'll sign off. And Michael, you have a good rest of your day. You too, Dalen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing for Freedom podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. Tune in next week for the next episode.